This podcast is for CAD managers in their pursuit for the perfect set of plans. Each week, we'll be doing deep dives into what CAD managers deal with every day as they manage and mentor their CAD team, build and enforce standards, develop best practices, and provide leadership and vision in the implementation of new technologies. With an extensive career as a CAD manager, I'm here to confess all my lessons learned, strategies, and all my project delivery secrets. If this sounds like the right place for you, then let's get started. I'm your host, Eric DeLeon, and welcome to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. I am your host, Eric DeLeon. In this episode, I'm continuing my CAD Management Masterclass series by interviewing another fellow CAD professional. Today, I would like to welcome Mike Thomas to the podcast. Mike is from the Saskatchewan, Canada area. Mike is a technical services manager and a former application specialist for Imagine It. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thanks, Eric. I'm glad to be here. Hey, so um, before I get into the canned questions here, I, I was noticing, I actually did a call. I did a, what do you want to say it? Um, a shout out, I guess, or a call. I, I was asking for some more mechanical type of CAD managers. Um, I had a couple of people in my circle that was asking, hey, you know, yeah, it's great. You do the CAD managers from, you know, for BIM or AEC or infrastructure, civil, um, you know, but we're looking for, you know, anybody in the mechanical space, SolidWorks and so forth. And so I reached out to uh, Joey Whitney and, um, you know, getting a bunch of different kind of names and stuff like that. And so anyway, so one of the things I think you and I, have some experience in digging in is that you're a former mechanical desktop user. Is that correct? I am. That's yeah. where I got my 3D modeling uh, feet wet. Yeah, me too. And something similar for us. So I worked for a semiconductor company out of Portland, out of actually Tigard, Oregon at that time. And we, we worked closely. We did, you know, industrial designing um, and we used mechanical desktop. And then we were like yourself, I think you and I were, were a couple of pioneers to inventor um, and stuff like that. So what was your, what was your little story there from mechanical to inventor? Well, I was actually an application specialist for an artist reseller at that time. So there was this, it was a, it was a huge program from Autodesk, like training us, not just on how to use the software, but how to sell it and how to differentiate between the two. And then essentially letting us go go free and then trying to balance between you know when do you sell someone mechanical desktop and when do you sell an <laughs> yeah. inventor yeah. um which funny enough is is eerily similar to what's going through with uh inventor and fusion right now yeah um but back in the day right there was no there's no news leaks or anything like autodesk worked on inventor or rokion or whatever not rokion uh what do they call it the rubicon or something rubicon like yeah they worked yeah. on it for like four years and no one knew about it which would have never happened today. Yeah. So it was interesting. It was interesting to get this this shiny new um, software, which was delivered by DVD or CD or whatever it was. It and, was and, a CD. <laughs> yeah, and then install it, and then you know fire it up, and it was all shiny and things like that. And then you know being a version one, it hardly did anything. Yeah. Yeah, we were lucky because we were. Um, obviously being right in the backyard of Autodesk back then. So Tigerd is right across the freeway from Lake Oswego. 
which oh. at that point was obviously at the headquarters, one of the Portland, uh, the Portland area office yeah. for Autodesk. And yeah, we got to actually be part of that alpha group for Inventor. Oh. Um, they actually sat us in a, it was really weird. Like we went to a community college where they had enough computers um, <laughs> to, yeah, they let us borrow a lab. We worked with Autodesk and, you know, cause we were on the fence, right? Do we go to, do we make the jump to Inventor? I mean, obviously it was the, looking back now it's a no brainer because mechanical, yeah. mechanical desktop had its, um, its limitations. But anyway, so it was just kind of cool to be a part of the original alpha group because then a lot of stuff that they had was, you know, they were trying to be really, what I call it cutesy, right? Like they would, um, they, they swap the button configuration. So like when you're picking and accepting or doing something, it was backwards to what you're used to doing in mechanical desktop. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember the nuances, but you know, somebody over there in Autodesk was like, you know, the programmers are like, oh, let's just switch it up. It's a new program. Yeah. It, it drove us all crazy. And then, but anyway, it was kind of cool to be a part of some of those initial um, little preferences that they got to set as one of the first releases for version one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's crazy. I don't see too many people that say mechanical desktop. And so. <clears throat> well, it's got a special place in my heart because it was number one, right? It was the first thing, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and just being blown away. I mean, um, when I went through tech school, um, we had to do this, we had this class, and one of the things is you had to do a model, essentially to, to present it. So you had to model it in mechanical desktop, and then we got to render it and animate it in, in Max, or might not even have been Max at the time, but 3D Studio. Yeah. And I did Optimus Prime, Transformer. So I nice. modeled him in, 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 um, in mechanical desktop, and then made him walk and do things in, in 3DS, and I was hooked. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah I, just like you, that's where my love of 3D came uh, came about. So, well, right on. Well, hey, man. Well, again, I appreciate you taking the time to be a part of this um, CAD Management Masterclass. And um, let's, I guess I'll get, get things started here. So where do you work? How long have you been there? And what do you do? So I work for a company called Prairie Machine, and we're located in Sask Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. So Eric, you you were very close to Saskatchewan. It's yeah. not an easy word to say, so it's <laughs> it's good. <laughs> um, and Prairie Machine, we we are an OEM. We manufacture um, mining equipment, um, both conveyance and the actual equipment that hits the rock face and and digs the rock back. And here I'm the the technical services manager, which. Um, I wouldn't say it's a unique position, but it's kind of a, a combination of a bunch of things. So CAD management, but not people management, but CAD management. Um, I'm the IT manager. Um, again, I don't get into networks and, and the servers and stuff, um, but I'm the IT manager. Um, and based on those roles, I'm essentially doing software and, and stuff like that um, all day long, processes, procedures, those type of things all day long. And I've been here for just about 11 years um, is, is where, I'm, where, I've been, where I've been hanging my hat every day. So out of 11 years, has there, any, has there been any big, um, I say, fundamental shifts? And what you do now and what you did when you first started this position. Yeah, I mean, when I was initially hired, the idea was come in um, and essentially clean up engineering because they had sort <laughs> of implemented Vault PDM, 
Um, they were using Inventor already, which was funny because I, I essentially was part of the team that sold them that um, and got it implemented, but they were you know sort of using Inventor. Um, and it's like, we need you to come in here and essentially clean up engineering. We want you know standardization, we want optimization, we want this. And part of your spare time, we want you to help IT with um, you know, printers and that kind of stuff. And at that time, I think we had like 10, 10 users. That's what it was. So that's where I started 11 years ago. Um, and then as things started going, you know, you, you help clean up engineering and then it's like, well, engineering data start, you know, touches all these different things. So then, you know, our department, our, our business, you know, essentially boomed and we went from, you know, like 10 engineering staff to like 25. Um, we decided to implement an ERP system and that fell into my realm. Um, so I became the project lead for implementing um, ERP. And then essentially it became my realm to make sure that we were using ERP um, you know, to its full full effects. And what that, you know, the biggest impact was was on engineering because engineering is is the producer of all the content that essentially drives what we're what we're building. So a big difference from 10 years ago to now is how involved our engineering staff is on production and all the things that that went with that that's the that's the biggest change that i've seen not just for me personally but for the department and the company as, as a whole so during that transition i mean how do i want to say it um what was what's one okay so so you said you start so your group was that you said about 10 users how yeah. many users are you at now um it's 24 25 okay so so in that what are some because i know for i know people who are listening like even for like myself right as you go through some of that growth right what are some looking back at that you know how could you you know what's one of the lessons learned i guess i know i talked about that later but yeah but within the, within that context specifically what was the lesson learned as you're growing a new position, smaller group, and now obviously it's, it's doubled. So I'd say there's actually two two parts to that process. The one was just from the you know the growth of the company and how we would kind of add ones and twos as we went. What I learned from that is you know it was really easy when we had ten people to kind of you know just sit down with somebody and show them the processes and and how we do this without really any documentation. Like we really didn't have any documentation because it was just kind of like you knew it or you didn't know it. So the big lesson learned was um, having not necessarily just onboarding documentation, but, you know, guidelines and, and, and procedures and, and stuff like that. So that, you know, someone has, you know, uh, something to follow a goalpost to, you know, a goal to, to, to reach. And then, going completely the wrong way and essentially replicating what's in the help trying to have these like step-by-step things which was impossible to keep up and maintained so trying to find that balance between you don't need to document all the picks and clicks what's important is just outlining what's what's the expectation and what's the goal right like Mm -hmm why do we use three decimal places right instead of two or you know just having that so someone can sit down and everyone's going to the same goal is really a big lesson learned on that 
Um, we also acquired another company and acquiring that company, we brought on five or six engineer CAD people who were using SOLIDWORKS and um, essentially telling them, you know, SOLIDWORKS is a great program, but it's gone. And now you're using Inventor. Um, I think the lesson learned from from that is that like I've educated myself on using SOLIDWORKS now, but I should have done it then so that I could speak kind of the same language a little bit better instead of coming down and saying, sorry, SOLIDWORKS, no good, it's gone, like forget about it, would have been more to been a little bit more on their, their side maybe. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but saying like, yeah, I know they, they call it rounds and, and SOLIDWORKS, but guess what? You can do it as, as fillets in Inventor. And, you know, here's here's how it does, and I, here's what's better. And, yeah, I know it's not quite the same there. And, and been a little bit more, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but, like, on their side more instead of you. more dictatorship on them. Yep. That was a lesson learned. So if we ever acquire someone again who's using a – non-autos product i would do a little bit more upfront, getting at least with the terminology and stuff to to be more supportive that way yeah i mean i mean you can only be so i mean because okay so i've been through something similar right to where when you're onboarding or integrating right it's integrating another company or another division into your into your into the fold right i mean there's only so much we can do and I agree. I, I like the. I like. I really appreciate the awareness of. We probably could have had a little bit more finesse in the way we integrated. Yeah. Right. Because that's that's hard. That's especially when it's a new company, right? Because we we've done that here at the company I'm at now, where they've bought they've acquired two different companies and we've grown from 500 to you know, uh, 1200 to now we just acquired another company, so we're like 1300. Oh yeah. And so, and so, but that's, that's a big part of it, right? I mean, you can only go so much of like, you know, of, of giving them enough lead time of being able to make that transition into, yeah. into the fold. Uh, but like you said, I, I think it does go a long ways of at least showing some empathy and some compassion because then, being the dictatorship, right? At the end of the day, you have to work with them now, right? Yeah. And like in our case, you know, the company we acquired, they were all paid up on their maintenance on SolarWorks. There was actually no immediate like it didn't have to be you know the acquisition happened today and you can't use your solidworks anymore like we could have been a little bit more like why don't you finish your existing projects, projects or yeah. right and then let's start you know kind of transitioning and, and figuring it out so you're right there needs to be some type of deadline because you can't let it go open-ended right. yeah um but then don't put that deadline like so close that they feel attacked or yeah. not attacked but you know the pressure yeah yeah, because what I've done for that in that case is you know, even like when we're all at new standards, new software versions, um, new things like that, we always put a line in the sand, right? All all new projects moving forward on X right. date, right? And so that way, eventually we start winding that because like you said, right? I mean, oh, I, I couldn't even imagine being that like, you know, my main tool that I used to, and I'm really good at all of a sudden I can't use it anymore. That's right. You know, without no the flip of a switch, right? At least yeah. give me some lead time to, you know, but anyway, but yeah, I mean, that's how we learn, right? I mean, yep. you got to kind of go through that. So. And it's not uh, like when you, when you go through school or, you know, you, you, they don't, you don't get training on how to deal with an acquisition. 
right? They don't, they don't, they don't, you don't ever learn about, oh, by the way, 50, 50 new people are going to be joining the company tomorrow. Yep. Um, so it's, it's the only way is, is through lesson learned on that. Yeah. Which is the, which is the reason why I do this podcast. Yeah. Right? Is to get the stories. Cause one of the couple of things like you just said here to kind of um, go off of that is one is a lot of stuff that we do as CAD managers, technology managers, technical services managers, right? We, <laughs> yeah. don't, we, we don't get taught this stuff in school, right? And then where do you go for some of this? I mean, you, I mean there's obviously um, some blogs and some other kind of trainings, but even then, none of that to the level like we just talked to you right now. And so that yeah. was, that's what's inspired me to hear the stories of others, you know, that, that walk in our shoes because let me tell you, and we'll get in, I have a, you know, talk about your origin story here in a second, but everybody, ha it's, we walk the we walk in the same path, but obviously through the different industries we work in, the different types of clients that we have. Yeah, we use Civil 3D, AutoCAD, Inventor, Revit, yeah. you know, as the baseline. But it's incredible the stories and the experiences because we all come from different walks of life. Right. right? And so, um, I like your analogy of walking the path too, because the other thing is too is you might be further ahead on the path. Yeah than me or you know we're going to the same place but there's two paths yeah. going there right so yeah. yeah that analogy is really good yeah um so how long have you been in cad management uh cad management would have been the entire 11 years that i've been here okay. at prayer machine yeah and then in my previous realm i was an application specialist essentially a, a demo uh demo jock and mm -hmm. trainer at that point so um I wouldn't really consider that CAD management, even though I went yeah. in and, and helped companies get set up and mm -hmm. you know look at their process and stuff. But yeah, the CAD management started when I started here at Per Machine eleven years ago. Great. And one of probably probably the my favorite question is what is your CAD origin story? Oh we all so, have so I'm old enough that when I took industrial arts in um, high school, um, we there was a small portion that was drafting on a drafting board. So we had to do, and I was geeky enough that I liked it, that I ended up taking a drafting class by correspondence. So I had my own little mini drafting board at home and I did this class by correspondence and like, this is what I want to do. So I ended up going into um, a tech college um, and took a two year um, mechanical engineering technology program where we went through AutoCAD and mechanical desktop. And, um, you know, we used ANSYS and we did 3DS Max. And, and as well as, you know, we learned how to pick bearings and how to do structural analysis and stuff like that. And that was what I was trained for. But coming out of school, um, I, I, as fate had it, um, I ended up being hired by an Autodesk reseller um, to go in and, like I said, do training, do demos, go in and, and you do tech support, help companies get set up. Um, and it was phenomenal. It really was because I got to see so much. Um, and my boss at the, at the time was, was uh, actually had started off as a machinist in his, his career and ended up doing the, doing the CAD thing. And I learned so much from him about, you know, how drawing should be done and, and you know, what they should look like and why they should look like that. And it was phenomenal because I got to see so many companies doing so many different things. Like I got to go and help a company that built um, ready to move houses, like essentially not mobile 
homes, but like essentially houses, roofs and doors and windows and everything. And they built them like a factory line. Like they would put them on a, on a, on a platform and pull them through and they use inventor. And I helped them with inventor and get it in there. And it's just like, I would have never thought about that in a million years. And it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. It was, you know, it was an auto's products, but then I got married and had kids and it was the travel. I was traveling, you know, more than half, half my time. Um, not far. It was all within, you know, mostly within Western Canada and the Western U S. Um, but I was gone. So I'm like this, this isn't going to work. And then again, kind of fate has it. Um, I'm in the server room at Prairie Machine helping do an update the vault. And the IT manager was talking about how he was so busy and didn't have time to deal with his CAD stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm tired of, of traveling. And soon enough, I was hired and I started at Prairie Machine. And, and that IT manager has now moved on and I moved into that role. And I've been doing, doing it... Um, since then so that's that's my my origin um is how i got into cat and how i ended up you know mostly waving the autodesk flag mostly mm -hmm. um because that's i was able to help so many people with it so i get a little wrapped up i guess i'm a little bit passionate about it but i've had i've had a pretty good career i can't complain yeah i i, I love that yeah and um it's amazing on how um i'm just real big on you know, God has a plan. Sometimes we don't see it as it evolved. I mean, the fact that you were, you went to this reseller, right? And for those, you know, you went to this reseller, you had this relationship with this client and you happened just to be there in that moment when, you know, they were looking, they were potentially looking for somebody else and you were looking for a potential way out. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible how certain things just line up for us like that sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. So kind of a spinoff off of that um, was one of my questions here for you was, so in your time as an application specialist, um, what were what are what were some of the things as it relates to CAD? Did you notice the most that firms were overlooking or not optimizing enough? I would say it kind of came down to, to two things. So most of the, the places I would go into um, on the on the manufacturing side had small engineering departments um for the most part i mean obviously there were some big ones we're talking like five six maybe two people and it was always interesting to me to see how people got stuck in in their ruts right like whether they're using autocad or mechanical desktop or whatever it's like i've done it this way and it's worked and I think it was just human nature, but, you know, just to kind of nudge those, those people into trying the new feature or the new workflow or the new software and, you know, getting them to understand that you will have a dip in productivity probably initially, but then after that, and then seeing that. So it's just, you know, stuck in the ruts and trying to get them out of that rut. And the other one was, was just a complete lack of, of standardization. It, it, it's just, was you know people had their own you know nuances on title blocks even you know within the same company sitting right beside each other um or different workflows for doing things um and you know real loose things and it just it it amazed me how 
I should, maze is too strong of a word, but you know, it was, how did you guys get all this work done all these years without having this, you know, rule book to, to follow? And then on the flip side, you'd go into like a big architectural firm and their standards were so rigid mm -hmm. that it, it, it was it was tough to to get things done sometimes because you were you were so stuck in stuck in the ridges ridges in in these in these pathways so those were some of the biggest ones where i wouldn't necessarily say training training was a part of it you know companies it's it's tough because you know if if i invest in someone what happens if they get educated and then they leave i mean that was definitely a mentality. It's like, why would I pay for training? They're just going to take this and leave. So once you got someone convinced that, yes, we're going to pay for training, try to get people out of their ruts um, was probably the number one biggest thing. And number two was just getting them to buy into having standard of some type. Yeah, so so you're saying there, what happens if I train them and they leave, right? There's a, there's a whole quote, right? What happens if I don't train them and they stay? That's right. <laughs> right. I mean, so that's, it's, it's one of, it's hard. I know it's all companies I've been at is probably except, except this new one that I just, I'm just really thrilled to be at that. They, a lot of them just don't, they just, it, training isn't a priority. <laughs> right. right. And if they do, they expect you. And I, they expect you to do some stuff on your own, which I'm a big proponent of. I actually, all my cat groups, I tell them, you know, there's going to be, you know, when it comes to your job description, right? The company wants you to do a certain task for a certain client that has certain requirements. I think they need to pay for that, right? To keep right. up and stuff like that. However, if you're a mover and a shaker and you're looking to do more, make more, do more, move up the quote unquote corporate ladder, that's on you. You know, right. and I mentor them. It's like, you know, to work, to get to where I've got gotten to, I've had to do that, right? Instead of watching, well, back then we'd have Netflix, but you know, right. instead of watching Netflix and chilling, right? Like we say now, yeah. you know, you're on, you know, I take the laptop home and dink around, you know, tinker around with yeah. some of the, you know, with some of the other softwares that we get within our collections that the company pays for that we're not using. I mean, that's a, there's a lot of money lost in that as well. Oh, for sure. Unused software that comes with these collections, but, but yeah, I mean, so it's crazy though. So the things that you said, it's, it's really crazy because those are should be the 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 baseline right those yes. things should be the baseline in which we do business but yet like you said you're really surprised that they were able to do what they were able to do without that in place yeah or you know they they purchased mechanical desktop let's say at the time but they're essentially just using the autocad out of it yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> right? So you just spent yeah. an extra, I don't know, two or three thousand dollars per year for something that you're not using. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where that whole training comes into where, you know, again, we do that. People still do that with Civil 3D, right? They'll take Civil 3D from a design standpoint. They'll dummy it down just so the CAD drafting folks can create their sheets and stuff like that. I'm like, we're, we're doing this backwards, guys. I mean, yeah. It's supposed to be dynamic, right? No, no different from mechanical desktop, no different from Inventor. It all yeah. starts with the 3D model and all your sheets are created off of these views off of the 3D model. So when said model changes, then all your 2D line work changes with it as well.
yeah uh it's great crazy man crazy how some people don't want to <laughs> leverage i do it. get it. i do get a little bit though because i think like thinking back to my reseller days i think one of the problem with with the training is you know you send someone away for civil 3d training for three days right and you get some generic material yeah. that you know, kind of gives them but if they're not a person who's you know going to kind of explore on their own it's tough to resonate mm -hmm. um so I think sometimes too that's a, that's that's a deterrent is you know these people come back from these these training sessions and go well I didn't learn anything right like yeah. we built a bunch of widgets and we don't build widgets and yeah. so you got to find that right that right balance between that yeah. to make it make it worth it. Yeah, I've been really big on whoever's doing our training. I'll actually go okay. Let's look at your syllabus, <laughs> and then yeah. we, we I don't need all fifty of these these topics. I need fifteen, and I need to work with you of showing it how we do it or how our client does it. Yeah. Um, or find the right trainer who does work, you know, that does kind of training for others like us and our, in, that know our industry well. That's right. right? Yeah. So that we could try to make it a little bit more, but it's hard. And I think that's the whole training space. I mean, it's so it's expensive, but it's worth it. But I still think there, I still think there's some opportunity for improvement. I think so of, too. Of how we frame up the training to best optimize um, you know the return on investment on that but it's tough because we all learn different right that's right yeah um, what are some of the challenges that you ran into as a cad manager and what actions have you taken to overcome those challenges i guess the first challenge is expect the unexpected um i say that because i remember i remember one of the first things um, that we did is we had vault and we were using it for kind of basic um check in check out basic data management and we were ready to go to the next level and we were getting ready to start using change orders so that we had to track all our changes and and i spent you know days getting prepared for the pushback right i thought for sure that this was going to be a huge pushback and i showed it and we went through it and it just like and people just loved it they're like oh we can track what we're doing electronically and we don't have to keep this binder full of paper and people just gravitated to it and it just like it's like guys i don't i i didn't like where did this come from um and then the next time you do something that you think is trivial and you get this huge huge pushback on yeah. and i think the biggest challenge for me um moving into this role is that you you have to do that you have to do the why you should always start with the the why are we doing this and that's one of the things that i've, I've really learned in in this in this role as a cad management that i really see as an application specialist because before i was going from company to company to company and they were the one bringing me in whereas here it's like no i'm gonna flip-flop how you guys are doing things but always start with the why so that was one of the challenges is, is to not underappreciate the justification to to what we're doing um and and that will essentially cover everything because if you're going to ask them to do more work if they have the why they might grumble about it but then they're probably going to do it so that was that was the biggest biggest hurdle for me taking this role is that you know just explain in the why what other challenges that i that i run into um the CAD manager is, I guess you would call it old school versus new school um, thoughts, you know, because 
prayer machine, like we have some guys here that have been here for 30 plus years, right? Like we'll probably never see that again. Um, but we just had uh, a guy retire who started off as the, the number one engineer at the company. Um, so he had been here for 40 years. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of the, the outsider, but I mean, he moved from pencil to CAD to AutoCAD. And then he was moved out before they moved into Inventor. But then we went into 3D and now we're going beyond. But the challenge is, 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 you know, how do you, how do you balance? I'm going to make it generational, but it's not really generational, but how do you balance this? Like, no pump the brakes. We have to stop to this like full force. Let's just dive in and, and, and do it. And that's definitely a, a a challenge that I've seen. Um, And the third one is just that inherent knowledge, right? Like, guys are doing something because it's always been done that way but like why are you doing it that way well it's just because we always have done it that way so to try to undig pull the the threads at why do we do something so as a cad manager i think it's easy to come up with a standard that says you know our hidden lines are going to be green um but to kind of tackle those existing processes and procedures um is where the challenge is I don't know if that actually answers your question, yeah, what, you, what you asked. That, that was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> every single point you make, I'm, I'm like grinning. And I pray for people <laughs> who eventually will listen to this episode will do the same thing because I think we all run into that, right? And, and kind of one of the things that we talked about in one of the previous um, podcast episodes was, and you kind of alluded to it, was that, you know, Again, we don't get we don't get trained for this type of stuff, right? Yeah. And let alone, you know, we're really good with the technical acumen, but it comes with the business acumen, just like you kind of said, right? And so with that, you know, it's like the why, right? I've been really, you know, I like to consider myself my my probably my last four jobs I've been brought in to be a part of change, right? They, I have a, a certain skill set that help drive change, make pivots. And so with that, though, is I've learned along the way, just like kind of like you mentioned, right, is that if I'm trying to make somebody do a 180 from what they're currently doing and get aligned with the strategic vision of the firm, right, right, I have to get their buy-in. In order for this to be successful, we got to get their buy-in. And so like you said, it's really good to start with the why. My current company, right? I've been here only seven months. We're doing some big changes. And when I did my presentation of the new, the new look of the CAD standards, um, I went, I said, hey, before we get to why, you know, why I'm here, what we're presenting today, is let me take, let me give you a backstory of why we're here. Right. Okay? And I went through the strategic plan and I I snippet all the different comments that they said about you know, consistent plans, high quality plans. We need CAD standards. We need better communication. We need collaboration, blah, blah, blah. Right. I said, this, this is what you guys have spoken. The people have spoken saying, you guys want this. Right. That's what, that's why I'm here. I'm just helping to facilitate that and to work with you. Right. But like you said, I mean, you know, we don't get taught that you have to learn. Unfortunately, a lot of us have to learn that the hard way uh, to get, to get to where we can't, to make effective change. Right. That's right. Make effective change. Yeah. 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 Cause there's definitely different ways of making that change, but what's the, what's the shortest distance to get from A to B is, is definitely effective change. And I definitely don't want the villagers to raid the castle 
right? <laughs> with, with, with the pitchforks and the torches. Um, but yeah, and I, you know, like you said, and also the other part of that is um, I like how you retracted your generational comment because I have a lot of younger folks who don't like change. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I like how you did that because I think I think you I think you noticed that as you were saying that um, using the yeah, I, the guy who's been forty you know forty one years in the company that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, end of the day, right? I mean, you know, one of my things is you know I have a few mantras. And one is, you know, disrupt the or challenge the status quo, right? right? Just because we've done it doesn't mean we necessarily always have to do it. New tools are here. There's new ways of thinking. There's uh, new approaches of how we do stuff. And so, um, but you know, I guess it all starts with also self-awareness and getting that why out. So that way we can position ourselves to be successful. I was in a, in a Autodesk University meeting with Alex Labas. And he said something, I wrote it down, like you said, mantras, tool set, skill set, mindset. I think and I was just, that, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know what, that is, that is brilliant. And I, and I wrote that down. It's right here, right in front of me. And I look at that all the time because it's like, yeah, here's the tool set. You know, we know it's the best. Mm -hmm. We've, we'll give you the skill set to use it, but the most important piece is the mindset. Correct. And that's what you have to tackle first. Yeah. And that's one of those things I again that's why that's why i love this platform that i've i'm trying to build and grow to get your guys' stories out because again another perspective on on what it is to be a cad manager right because again yeah. we don't we don't get taught this stuff it's crazy it's great insight i i was in that presentation as well at yeah. AU, and so yeah that that also uh hit close to home it's always funny like you know, the kids, you know, at school and stuff, you know, sometimes like, well, what does your mother do? What does your father do? Right. <laughs> my kids have no idea what I do. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Not a clue. Yeah. yeah my... And it's, yeah, sorry, it's go ahead. No, no, yeah. I, was, I was interrupting you. My, my kids the same way. I just tell them I'm a technology manager. Yeah. You know, to say you're a cat or BIM. Oh, my dad does 3D bridges. Cause I did visualization <laughs> and LIDAR. Oh, yeah. And so they are like, just, I'm a technology manager. Just keep it at, and I work. Yeah. You know, I work for a big civil engineering firm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, off of off of challenges, then, what's one of your biggest mistakes, um, and how has that helped you, um, you know, kind of mold your career moving forward? I would think one was is when I when I started in the CAD management is how I I I wanted everything under my control. Like I wanted everything here, right? Because it probably boiled down to a trust thing is like, I don't trust anyone else to do this right. You know, like this is my job and I'm going to make it right and I'm going to do it. And then just being overwhelmed by the amount of this, this work. And sometimes it's not the actual work. It's just like, no, I don't have to make every decision. I don't have to find every question. I don't have to find every answers, you know, like being able to, to let pieces out and, and, and help me. Um, was was the first thing for you know for the longest time um and something that i really learned when we implemented the rp system was the 80 20 rule i mean 80 20 rule is not a new thing obviously but i had never really considered it until we were putting erp in and the the implementers we had hired to help us they were really big on okay we're gonna we're gonna implement you know till we're 80 percent um, got everything covered and all the fringe things you guys can worry about later. And it's just like, pff, mind blown. That's perfect. Right? Like 
why worry about the one thing that happens once every 10 years, right? And it it has definitely, I think, made my performance better um, because I can get it to the 80, 80% threshold and then deal with the 20% if it becomes a problem or later on or however it is. So I guess reducing the amount of work by just doing 80% of it and then being okay with, you know, someone else helping you or doing parts of it, which as a CAD manager is a challenge as well, because um, very like not every CAD manager has a group of people reporting to them. Right. And that's my case. I mean, I have people that report to me, but they're IT people. They're putting printers in and doing networks and installing hardware and stuff. I, I can't necessarily say, hey, I need you to to update this layer standard for this. Right. So that's a different challenge as well is, is you know, how do you get people to do things for you when they don't actually report to you? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. I, do, I have to manage deal with that all the time. Yeah, right? it's tough because then you're because you always you, you almost have to step into it already with the I'll say apologizing, but like you know you're like I'm sorry I got to take you away from your production work or your other right. work, right? But can you put this on the list and can you you know what I guess what I found out in those cases one I think empowering others goes a long way to building rapport, right? That's right. I mean they can feel like especially when there's if there's if there's team members who feel like they want to do more or not being allowed to do more and when they get to do something kind of different right yeah. it kind of brings a different level of energy like wow my yeah company work on this this is kind of cool right? yeah and, the, and there's that sense of ownership right like now they have this bit of ownership into it and then all of a sudden they've turned from you know not just helping you but now they're the champion as well mm -hmm. right and they're telling everybody how how great it is so it's you're right it's almost like a negotiation thing yeah um oh and also be like, you know, sometimes you find the guy and he's like, all like, yes, let's do it. But then you have to go negotiate with his boss to yeah. say, hey, I'm going to take 10 hours from him this week um, to do this. And now yeah. you got this negotiation thing about. Yeah. So that's another skill set that they don't yeah. teach you how to do in, yeah. in school. That's for sure. Yeah. So what, what I do on that one, like you said, it's the art of negotiation within your, your own company. Yeah. So usually I try to do that, at least for myself, is I. I'm going to use somebody out of my group that I have no supervision over <laughs> besides them, you know, me being the responsible for the task at hand, <laughs> ultimately, right. I'll just say, Hey, I need 10 hours over the next two weeks. Right. right. Is there any way that we can make that work? And most managers, I think if I approach it that way, I usually got buy-in of being able to get some pretty stellar people to help me knowing that they can fit it in, in between stuff versus right. you know it's wednesday like i really need their help by friday and they have a deadline on the same day right i mean it's more likely they're you're gonna get a no right i've also found too um i mean i've been fortunate to work with very good engineering managers but i've also found too if you go to them with with a problem right like i've got this problem that i need help with who do you think would be good <laughs> to work on yeah. this for me and you know, it'll be about eight hours and then you'll fingers crossed, they pick the guy that I want. And they're like, oh, I think we could get Eric to do that. Um, we could probably make work. And then you leave the room like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so even little things like that too, right? Like, yeah, I need, I got this problem and you know, how we're going to do this. And it makes the, so I call that managing your managers. Yes, yeah, right. Managing your managers. I like right? it. Yeah, right. So that way, and then it, it, it makes them feel like they're the genius 
they came up with the person that you know it was their idea to come up with whoever it was yeah right? no, that's that's a good spinoff i love that i love that and then in, in my my position I actually report directly to the general manager. So I report to the top dog in the company. So if I really, really, and I don't use this very often, but if I really, really need to pull the Trump card, then I go tell him and let him tell (laughs) the manager to, to make it happen. And then it's all wash anyways, but I don't do that very often, but that's always an option as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good to know what you have available at your fingertips. Um, So what are one or two CAD commandments that you live and work by without fail um number one is never stop learning never stop learning like it's it's you just can't whether it's five minutes here ten minutes there read this book watch this webcast um try this try that um and i don't i don't i don't limit myself to certain tracks um you know, like I'll sit in on a on a BIM webcast, right? You know, Autodesk is doing this BIM thing on Revit and BIM Collaborate. And it's like, cool, let's go see what's going on. Cause you never know what you might take away yeah. from it. So for me personally, and I and I and I try to do that with my with the guys who report to me as well, is like just learn all the time. Like if you stumble across an article that seems somewhat interesting and it's gonna take you ten minutes, read the article. Like mm-hmm take it like take the 10 minutes and just just read it and that's for me that's that's number one and i try to do that with with all the engineers and techs as well it's like you know let's you know i just learned this new feature i'm going to show you guys how to do this or you know eric just came to me and and showed me this thing he he did in an inventor right even though you know maybe i knew about it or not knew about it but you know i did that let's let's tell everybody that and so I just say, like, never stop. That's that's the number one commandment is is never stop learning. For me, and as like preach it to everyone who who wants to hear it. So that's that's number one to me. Um, you said one or two. Oh, I wasn't yeah. prepared for two. That's all right. If that's all you got. That's, that's a good one. Let's just you know, I I guess we'll just segue from that one. But yeah, I yeah I agree. Um, so let me ask you, let me ask you, I guess, a follow-up question on that. So when you tell your folks that, or when you ask them what what are the different what are the what are the different avenues that they learn by? Do they um, or stay in touch with things? Do they tell you? You know what? That's 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 one of the the biggest things I still struggle with um, to this day is the whole training aspect of things because. What I've discovered over the years is that when someone's challenged about something, you know, maybe they did wrong or they didn't do correctly or they could have done better, their number one answer is going to be, well, I wasn't trained or no one showed me how to do this, right? The flip side, they never asked the question either. So it's like, and then, and then what's the answer, right? You could send out emails, you could have a, a internal wiki, you could have a training management system, but that's not going to cover everybody. So, yeah, I guess that's a challenge. I guess I should have brought up is is just the whole the whole training avenue of it. Because yeah, some people some people just need to see it, right? They just see it once, and not that they'll necessarily remember all the steps, but they'll be like, okay, I know this is possible. 
someone else needs to read about it and then do it and then read about it and then do it. Um, there's so many different ways of how people take information and some people need to see the exact step by step mm -hmm. by step by step by step process. Whereas I'm the opposite, just give me the framework and I'm going to go pick and click until I, I break it. So I, I still struggle with that the, the whole idea behind training and, and the information to present and how to present it and how often, how frequent should you be showing that information? So if you could shine the light on this for me and give me the answer to this, I would, I would, I would love that. Yeah. Well, well, I think just in general, right. I mean, so it's going to be a challenge already due to the different learning styles that people have. Right. And I think that's where we have, in my opinion, right. That's where we need to make a lot more micro content, right. Yeah. Just, just you're showing one, one or two steps or one or one tool. Cause I, in that way people can digest it a little bit quicker versus you're showing too much at one time. Right. And then, you know, that makes it tough and really, the, and yeah, I mean, this is, to be honest, this, that's like the billion dollar question anyway, right. Is yeah. how, how can we, effectively get our information train quote unquote training because it's in various ways it's not necessarily all hands-on in the classroom but you know books and blogs and podcasts and yeah. things like that right um and you but, kind of touched on it too is a lot of its personality right yep like like you had mentioned like why are someone like you in the role that you're in well you're in that role because you were looking for more or you gravitate towards the new and you, and you want to go into those areas and, and, you know, kind of pick apart at them. Whereas some people are just content to sit down with a step-by-step -step procedure and just do the same thing over and over yep. and over again. So, and then you have the other one, like, um, like I said, I've got two people that report to me and, and the one of them, I had challenged him. I said, you know what? I want you to spend at least one hour of your week learning about something. Right. Even if, even if it's, you know, only quasi related to what you do, I, I want you to do an hour. It doesn't have to be an hour straight, but I want you to do an hour. And for the first couple of weeks, it's like, well, what did you do this week? He's like, well, you know, I got busy with that and got busy with that. Right. And it's almost this, this thought like, well, I'm supposed, I'm being paid to do productive work. I'm not being paid to learn something new. Right. There's, yeah. It's a bit of that too in, involved. Yeah. So, so when I man, so I, I don't want to say it. So when I manage people, I, I, I usually compare it to parenting my kids, right? In that, that in order to get the best out of them, you really have to cater, you know, obviously the core values and morals are still there. Yeah. Right. But the way to, to effectively get them to do what you, you know, ultimately whatever it is that they want to do, or, um, you know, is, Kind of have to learn their you know their style to be able to connect with them in that way yeah you know and so i had like at the you know one of my companies i had 11 um cad techs across three offices that i managed directly and yeah it took me a while to kind of learn the quirks of each one of them you know yeah. and they're all were different some people just you know that was you know how you know it's like how frequently do i check in with them or you know the kind of training that kind of stuff with them you know some people you can we can have the the monday morning huddle they know their task and they're gone you know yeah. some people wanted check you know come to find out later that people you know a couple of them wanted me to have touch points with them every single day yeah you know, they just want that some ones were 
hey, just touch base with me during the middle of the week. I'm good, you know. Yeah. So it's just one of those things, like you said, right? Like, you know, you have some different styles and just, I guess that's what makes, in my opinion, makes our job fun and not boring because there's always something yeah, that's right. that's that a good we're, point. Still, we're trying to learn and figure out to be, you know, a better communicator is better effect, you know, um, yeah. you know, be more effective in how we, um, you know, rile up our, our team members to do good work. Right. So, yep. uh, yeah. So if, if, Hey, if you're a CAD manager out here and you're listening to this right now and you think your job is boring, I would like to challenge you. Yeah. That you need to look look at what how you're approaching your job, um, because let me tell you, for doing this for, you know, almost 20 years, um, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's never been boring. <laughs> nope, me neither. Not one day if I sat there going, oh, I wish I was doing something else. Yeah. Um, what's one thing you wish you knew earlier? You're on in your career that you know now. Well, I think someone we already talked about, like. The 80-20 rule has definitely um, definitely opened up some things to me just how I did that. Um, for the longest time, I thought I had a time management problem, you know, like because I was I was not getting things done, you know, with you know within deadlines and stuff like that. And I've realized now is I don't have a time management problem. I have a task management problem because I have too many tasks. And and just that that little differentiation between it, I wish I had known that years ago. That, you know, like I don't, I don't need to read about the Palmdero, you know, you know, set the timer for 20 minutes, although it's a great technique, but it's just, you know, I, I don't have to set my outlook calendar because it's, it's, I'm not spending too much time on social media. It's just, I've got all these tasks mm -hmm. and how do you manage that? And when do you delegate and when do you defer? And, and that's one thing I wish I would have known a long time ago. And it's just changed how I tackle this. I'm still late all the time. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel the same stresses and, and pressures anymore because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm better at, at managing those. So that's one thing that I, I wish I would have learned um, much easier or a long time ago. Again, yeah. being an application specialist, you know, everything was kind of laid out for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like I knew it was a company Acme these three days and then I was back in the office for a day and then I was doing a training for a day. Like it was, it was all more linear. And I'm sure, you know, as a, as a CAD manager, it's, it's not linear, you know, it's like this cobweb, this spider web thing of all these things that you're trying, trying to do. So, yeah, I mean, if we, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I got a time management problem too. Stop <laughs> Googling for time management and start Googling for task management. Well said. I really like that approach. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because maybe we're just taking, maybe we have too much on our plates. Yeah. That's taking all of our time versus, you know, like they always say, right? I mean, focus on one thing, get it done, move to the next thing, right? Right. And I know that's that's tough for us because, you know, it's like, it's it's a huge spider web of stuff that comes at us every day, right? Yeah. All, all, and however, in some cases, we are ultimately responsible for how we get stuff done, what we take on and how yeah. it's prioritized so you know like you said i really like that approach and hey if you're listening that's good advice <laughs> <laughs> what would you consider to be your cad manager superpower i would say my superpower is is that i am switzerland because i can go into any situation and i'm essentially neutral right like i can go in between a machinist and an engineer and I can find the common ground and find what's going to work to make the process better. 
And um, I can't take credit for that because one of the engineers told me that years ago that I was essentially Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And I think that's my, my, my CAD superpowers. I can just go in there and get to the root cause um, without you know, picking sides or being biased or stuff and find it and, and then go with implementing the solution. So, and then I think that's just that one. I think that's, that's a skill that you could, you could, you could grow. It just happened that it just kind of naturally happened to me. Um, I'm also a very level person, you know, like I don't, my emotions don't bounce around a lot either. So that's another thing that kind of helps me to, to remain calm. So, would you say that is so on on LinkedIn? I put a thing, or yeah, LinkedIn. I think in the Facebook, the CAD managers Facebook group as well, and I asked a question. You know, what do you think is a good quality that a good CAD manager has? Would you say that would be one of them? Being able to yes. be that. Okay, and and like okay, so okay, so follow up with that. So I I knew you'd say that. <laughs> so for so for those who aren't level headed. Is there some advice? Because obviously you see things you see things through a different lens, in which obviously somebody has complimented you on, in which you've known and realized that hey, you know, I'm really good at this. Yeah. So you know, I'm pretty level-headed for the most part too. You know, again, you know, you can get passionate about certain things at certain times, but for those who have a hard time sometimes, just maybe letting the moment get the best of them. Yeah. How can you be that? that Switzerland and be able to stay level-headed, neutral, and be able to find the common ground? I think um, it's it comes down to some, some communication um, tricks. Because you know, they always talk about that you're, you're listening, but you're not hearing, or you're, I think that's the way they put it, right? Yeah. And I think for somebody who gets, you know, fired up real quickly or passionate about things is is to really focus on um the the actual hearing you know like don't be preparing your answer as uh-huh. they're asking the question or, or making the statement and really work on you know focusing on what's being said what's being asked take the the pause pull your your answer together and then and then respond and understanding that it's okay to let the person finish what they're saying if you don't agree with them because that's what they that's what they think and just let that process so i think that would be the first thing that i would would tackle and in fact i i you know early on in my life i realized that you know like you might be talking and then i'm trying to finalize my answer because my brain is always going really fast that's one of the things that i worked on um, when I started as the application specialist is, is to let people finish talking and then go. So that would be my advice. No, that's really good. That's really great advice actually, because I've, I think I read that. So part of, part of my learning, right. Is I love to, I have an entrepreneurial spirit. And so I'm always reading about right. branding, marketing, sales and things like that. Just, just, you know, Every day, you and I, you know, as cat managers, we're doing some some form of, you know, trying to get somebody to buy in on our idea or trying to sell or right. something, right? So I'm always like just learning, you know, tactics, skills, you know, kind of, you know, kind of along with my other cat type of things that I do. But I read that once where it was like a consultant going in, and you hit it right on the head. Was we're so especially us cat managers, right? We're so used to being fixers. 
right right we're because usually 90 percent of the time we're fixing right but like you said i liked how you said this is that you know just be quiet you know i'm, I'm yeah. paraphrasing it be quiet let the person get out what they need to say and get it out completely without you trying to like you said we're, we're already fi- we're probably five steps ahead of them already in our head and we already probably know the answer but allowing them to get it out and even when they're done sit there for five seconds yeah D- don't even give your answer because in that awkward silence people want to say more that's right and so and so and i've tried that and so i think it's yeah you're spot on man i think it's tough right we just i mean i don't know if it's us just wanting to hear our own voices or us just wanting to move on because we're so busy but i i found that goes a long ways of building rapport with people that lets them feel one that their voice is heard that you care and that you empathize have empathy with their with their issue at hand I think it was Eric Clapton, I could be wrong on this, who said there was more said in the silence between notes than in the notes themselves. Yeah. And that re- resonated so much with me that I can't remember who said it, but yeah. who said what was said made it like really resonated with me. It's like, yeah, what it's more there's more said in the silence than there is in, in the in the notes in between. So Yeah. Yeah. So again, if you're listening to this, just you know, <laughs> slow, sometimes you gotta pump the brakes, right? Pump the brakes, just and just listen. That's a hard. That's again. That's not something they teach you in school. I know nope. that's, a li- that's more of a life lesson. But yep. nonetheless, I think if you if you take the time to just let people get what they have to say, um, you you know slow to slow to speak, quick to listen, will go a long ways. Yep. Um, what current technology or trend are you most excited about right now? Well, from the the manufacturing side of of technology is is the convergence um i think it's it's super slick super awesome how you know the transition between cad to cam to 3d printing to generative design to detailing to to 3d annotation to data management and and you know iot getting that information back in is is so amazing like it's going from all these disconnected technologies to almost being ag- agnostic right like it, it it's almost to the point where it doesn't matter what you're using i think that is that is super awesome um one thing that too i think is 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 pretty exciting and i think this is more on the architectural construction side but you know they call it the whole digital twin thing like it, it does happen on the mechanical side yeah. or the manufacturing side but you're just seeing what what's happening with you know, like the architect and and the and the you know HVAC guy and and the the construction guy on the site and and how you know that information is is going around obviously with the cloud and and everything and and how it again you know like you got this Revit model and you've got this in in the cloud here and the guy in the construction saying this this door is two inches out and and um. I think that's that's awesome. The one that's really blowing me away is the whole um, AR thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. not VR, like whatever. That's like so so yesterday. But the whole yep. AR and the immersive environments, and yep. and I just think we're just on the precipice, you know. Like you know, we talk about training and and how that's going to just blow that away, and how like we sell equipment, right? Like can you imagine being able to like 
test drive a, a truck while you're sitting in your chair, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, or being able, you're, you're on site and cause you're trying to fix a piece of equipment and you just bring up your phone and it shows you the parts and what you need mm-hmm. to do. Like that, that kind of stuff. That's, that's what gets me. Ex- that's the stuff that's getting me excited. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that I tell people like, you know, it's just, if you're, if, so if you work like within our space, if, so I guess if you're using any of the Autodesk type of softwares, right. And obviously right. That's, that spans multiple industries, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're more mechanical on um, infrastructure, but nonetheless, we're still using the tools made by, you know, made by Autodesk. Yeah. Right. So I would like to say, you know, if you're, if you're in that Autodesk world, right. The Autodesk verse, um, <laughs> yeah. they, uh, it's an exciting time because they're finally, I mean, they're finally getting the, some of the tools, some of the technologies down to where you know, we don't have to jump to so many hoops to get to A to B. That's and, right. And it, everything's evolving. I mean, to be competitive, they're, you know, quickly working on new things to come out. And so it's just, it's an incredible time to live in general yeah. because of all the technologies, all the advancements. Um, of course, if you want to focus on the negatives, you can do that and you'll never see you know, all the great things that are happening around us and, yeah. you know, and the things that are going to take what you and I do today to that next level. Just incredible. Right. That's right. Cause like you make a good point there, like on the, on the Autodesk construction side, like you could get real upset about how they're managing the BIM 360 to Autodesk construction cloud mm-hmm. transfer. Right. It's, it's pretty murky now, but you just got to look just a little bit past that and just see what's what's coming and how fast they're they're moving there yeah yeah Yeah, and i mean you talked about branding before i mean autodesk is just doubling down because look at what happened when they released that new logo and that new branding right just (laughs) right up and you know i'm maybe not as much into branding and marketing as as you are but that kind of stuff kind of i'm always intrigued by that too and that autodesk one like this one it it hit a nerve with a lot of people did and (laughs) You know what? No, no news is is bad news, right? Or yeah, yeah. bad news is still news, or however yeah. you want to put it. Yeah. Like, so yeah. interesting times. Yeah, I mean, end of the day, you're not going to make everybody happy, and there's so many moves going on behind the scenes that we don't even know, we don't even realize. Um, you know, besides their logo looking like the Briscad logo, um, yeah. But, <laughs> You know, but besides that, right? You know, besides yeah. that, you know, uh, you know, it's just, it's incredible. It's just an incredible time. And what yesterday or the day before they bought Loop and never yep. heard of it before, and they spent you know millions of dollars on it. I mean, on on the manufacturing side, if you go outside Autodesk a little bit, like a year ago, PTC bought Onshape, and that came out of nowhere, like absolutely nowhere. I mean, obviously it didn't come out of nowhere, but yeah. it's like for us, it was nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> What are your thoughts on the future of CAD? I think, I think things are going to continue. Like we're obviously moving away from, or we have been for a long time of, you know, the two, the good old 2d drawing, right. And paper. Um, and it's just being, just being escalated the process. Like we're, we're not going to have paper anymore. We're, we're not going to have 2d drawings, right? It's, it's going to be all 3d models and it's going to be immersive and you're going to get that information there. And, and there's, there's 
not going to be this 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 worry about you know is it in dwg or is it in revit formats or what it is it's just gonna the data is just gonna kind of kind of flow and i think we're gonna see more and more automation and and simplification to start allowing you know we won't have drafters anymore we're going to have designers right because it's going to be less focused on adding dimensions and making sure you get that chamfer note and and more about you know well if i did this as a chamfer instead of a fillet then you know i get this and and i don't think that's that's really new i think it's just it's just gonna it's just gonna go so much it's gonna ramp up so much so much faster now like i think google was too too far advanced with their google glasses uh-huh. i think if they were like if if they hadn't done that and did that now, I think they would have been onto onto so much with it because I think that's where we're we're gonna go. Um, you know, this this whole pandemic that forced a lot of people to work home, like it was a big, big shift for a lot of people. But I think it just showed that the technology is 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 ready for that, for us to work from anywhere at any time. Um, you know, and and not miss a beat. So I think that's nothing like if I was to prophesize, you know, five years or 10 years, or 50 years, it's, it's not any surprises. It's just going to be a quick escalation of what's been happening for the past 20 years. Yeah. I think, I think the, the escalation is a lot steeper from when we went for board drafting to CAD drafting to the next thing. Yeah. Right? It's going to be like, years versus decades i don't know i'm just saying that I don't yeah know that's the right terminology but it's going to be quick it's going to be yeah. quick nonetheless you know so but this is one of those things i'm curious your thought because you've been in this game for a while and you've met and you've consulted and you know oversaw a lot of other firms one of the things that i feel gets lost and i call it it's the art of drafting yes right and drawing composition presentation i'm huge on that I am yeah. big time on that's one of my if I had superpowers is being able to look at a set of plans, make you know, redlining that puppy up and working with the team to get the right mindset, right? And right. get the right tools in their hands, like the templates and the right skills, because sometimes they may not know how to use a multi-text versus just a normal text. Right. You know what I'm saying? Little things, little you know, I'm gonna say that's a horrible example, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, you I know, know, you know what I'm talking about. Even even some of the basic stuff people for some reason overlook. But I just feel like, you know, one of the challenges I have now is that, right, we have, like you said, we're going to evolve from, you know, I like, I like technicians because more likely the technician is just, is an advanced um, drafter. Yes. Right. And, and they come from the school of drafting versus a CAD designer could potentially be, could still be that. But it could be an EIT, an EI, it could be, right. you know, um, an entry level type of engineer. And so, but in all of that, I just feel like that art of drafting um, is getting lost. And I think eventually when we make that jump to the next level, like you said, I know it's, it's there, we're going to be doing more of it. And so I just have, a, I have a fear that we're also, it's, it's going to make the, you know, we're going to lose that art of drafting even more. Uh, I would agree with that you know the other thing I've seen kind of in a similar sense is you know we're having teams and zoom meetings and stuff and it's almost like we're losing the art of having meetings yeah. you know you, you don't have that same you don't have that same connection you know you for some reason you end up with way more people talking over each other and mm-hmm. and stuff like that and I agree it's it's the same there's 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 something that's lost 
when you don't have that drawing um, and that, you know, that touchy feely about how it works. So that, that I agree, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting going forward yep. and well, maybe we'll just adapt to it. I, I don't know yeah. what's going to come out of it. Uh, well, we'll, ad I, well, we always adapt, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's the best part of the human race, right? That's being humans. Some of us will adapt. Other ones will just retire, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. if they don't want to do, if they don't want to deal with the change, they'll retire, right? And so, but, but so that's why you know, for me, that's why like this podcast. Like I always say that I would I always go back to that because this is where I want this to be that that potential resource in the future, right? Uh, you know, we talk about yeah. these things so that way at least we keep it top of mind um, because I think you know, you know, are we like folks like you and I, are we ones of the last of the generations of like true CAD managers? Right. You know, I don't know, you know, but I'm just saying, you know, so um, anyway, I'm just, I'm excited for the future, but at the same time, I think some of these, some of these core things that we've, that make, make drafted, make CAD what it is, might get, I just have a feeling that, you know, it might get lost just with some of the advance, the quick the advancements that we go through. Yep. Um, where can the CAD Manager Confessions audience follow you in your journey? Um, one is, you know, you could definitely look me up on LinkedIn. Um, I do tweet a little bit on, on Twitter. Um, I used to weigh more than I do now, but uh, I contribute to the Design in Motion blog, um, which has unfortunately kind of fallen off. I don't I don't contribute there as much as, as I should, um, but that's one place too. Um, you can also, I have tens and dozens of classes up on, on AU, on Autodesk University. Um, I've been presenting there for years, so um, you definitely can, can go there as well. Great. Any parting advice or thoughts to the CAD management community? I, yeah, I'd say, you know, it's it's tougher in this day and age, but, you know, try to find some peers that you can bounce things off of, or even if you can find someone to mentor you um, in certain avenues, um, that would be my, my parting advice. Um, for example, um, a couple of years ago, we had a new engineering manager came in. He had a big background in um, construction management. And he kind of took me under his wing as far as project management is. And I learned a lot from him. Um, and it was just being open and kind of looking and, and seizing the opportunity. So, and like, this is great too. Like, um, we had no, I don't think we've ever talked before up yep. until this, but I hope we can talk again, you know, yep. a lot going forward because, you know, just a little bit back and forth we've done. It's like, yeah, like, he's got some insights and hopefully you got a little bit for me and just looking for those, those channels. I say it's a dying art because, you know, we don't have, we don't really have, you know, CAD groups anymore. And Autodesk university has been online the past two years and, you know, the whole beer bashes and meetups and stuff. It's, it's tougher nowadays, but we just got to look for these opportunities. Yeah, I agree. Um, and again, um, at the heart of this, that's that's what this podcast is. I'm trying to do just to help. If I can help one person that's beside me, in front of me, behind me, um, yeah. by, getting, by getting stories like yours. Um, again, um, you drop some amazing um, knowledge bombs here. Um, appreciate you taking the time, and thank you for being a part of the podcast today.
Well, thanks for uh, letting me talk for uh, 45 minutes here. It's or an hour and a half or however long it's been. So appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe and or leave a review. Until next time, continue to challenge the status quo, be the leader you wish you had, don't be afraid to step into your greatness, and good luck in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans.